Hey, this is Joseph Massonary. I'm the pastor at Cornerstone, and this is our podcast. I want to thank you for joining us today. I hope this inspires you. I hope this helps you build your faith. I hope in some way that God will challenge you with a new perspective as you listen. Enjoy the message. Well, you are looking sharp today. Do you have a Bible? Would you open it up to the book of Genesis, the book of Genesis? And before we get into it, yeah, we want to we send out one more reminder because we are, who, how many of us are, are, are you ready at the 9 a.m. service for like one, a little bit more sleep? Are you ready, right? Are you ready to move to 10 a.m.? You right? Are we excited about this? Come on, there's got to be more than just the Ralphs excited about this. Are we excited about the move to 10 a.m.? All right. You know, at the 10 a.m. service, you might meet somebody who's been going to our church for like seven years, but because they go to the 11 o'clock, you have no idea. So when we get together next week, you're, we're going to have to have a moment where we all introduce ourselves to each other, because you might be like, I think I know you, but I have no idea, and maybe we need to go to lunch together or something like that. So anyways, or maybe after the 10 o'clock service, you just take someone to the Raiders game at 1 o'clock. That's how it goes, Right. No, I'm teasing. But before we get into the word, I want to make one last appeal. And, and yeah, it was something my wife Lindsay and I were talking about. And we were both baptized as kids. And walking into this new season, we, we wanted to have a baptism Sunday on October 2nd. And as a family, we were just going to take that step and say, you know what, God, we're going to get baptized as we walk into this new season in our lives in a new season at Cornerstone. But with that, what I thought would be really cool is if we just make it the biggest party ever. And so I want to invite any of you. Maybe some of you, you've gotten old, right? And uh, right, Can we say that in church? I've known people that it's like, I've been a Christian for 30 years and I just didn't get to that. I just, like, I should have done it. I know the Bible says to do it. I know the Bible says that, you know, we're to, to love each other and take communion and, and to be baptized. But for some reason, it just is something that you never got, you never, you never got to. And so there's no shame in that. But I want to encourage you, like, if, if, one, if the pastors on staff can get baptized, so can you. All right, so I want to throw that invitation out. If you want to get baptized with your family, if you're, if you're a father, one of the greatest things I had a father ask me last week, he said, um, would it be okay if I got in the baptism pool and I helped baptize my daughter? And I went, let me think about that for a second. Absolutely, right? So if you're a parent, if your kids have been asking you, I just want to encourage you that this is going to be a, a wonderful celebration as we walk into a new season uh, here at Cornerstone. So sign up. You can do it right from the phone. Let's get baptized together. Is that all right? Is that all right? Man, all right, 9 a.m., let's do this. All right, so we've been studying the book of Joseph, or the book of Joseph. That's, that's, not, that's not a thing. The book of Genesis, um, and we've been speaking about a man, you know, this Joseph, this young kid, he knows a thing or two about mistreatment, about being treated unfairly. Raise your hand up or both hands or stand up, you know, whatever it is. If you've ever been mistreated in your life, would you raise your hand? All of us can probably jump in and think of an experience that maybe was hurtful. But I'm telling you, if there's anyone who knew about being mistreated, it was this young man, Joseph. First, at the age of, of just 17, if you remember when we started this series called The Plot Twist, right? Joseph was treated, it started off within. He was totally betrayed. He was sold by his own brothers at the young age of 17 into slavery, taken to Egypt. And then secondly, man, not only is it bad enough at 17, the life you once knew, think about this, put yourself in Joseph's shoes for a minute. The life you once knew at 17, 
your daddy's favorite kid, man, it's one thing for all that to come to an end, but like everything you had to look forward to, your life has forever changed. The life you once thought you would have is now completely gone because Joseph is now considered property. He's, he's, he's sold into slavery. He's com- considered property of a stranger. He is sold into a man named Potiphar's house, and if you've been with us, you know he, he earns some favor. He actually gets promoted on this, in, this, in this world. And then, and then what happens is after he receives a promotion, after he's put in charge of Potiphar's house, something happens and the wife makes some false accusations and Joseph gets sent to prison for doing what was right. right? Catching us up, Joseph was sent to prison for the right thing, not the wrong thing, based on unjust allegations, circumstantial evidence that goes against him. And, and when the Bible says he went to prison, the word actually translates more accurately, dungeon. It, it, like we think of prison like sometimes like it, it's not all that bad. The word actually translate, translates dungeon. So we find ourselves, Joseph is put into another bad spot. Once again, Joseph is abandoned. Um, once again, Joseph is left to start from the, the very bottom. Uh, can we say it like this? Joseph is cut down to ground zero once more. He is starting from scratch. He is starting over. And sometimes I love it when New Testament scripture backs up Old Testament truth. Amen? So there's a scripture in the New Testament that says this. It's 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 20. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 20, it says, Of course, you get no credit for being patient if you are beaten for doing wrong, right? It's like, you get no credit. If, if you messed up and you receive a punishment, like, of course, that's called justice, right? That should happen. You get no credit for, for, for doing wrong if you are in trouble for that. But it says this, but if you suffer for doing good and endure it patiently, it says this, that God is pleased with you. If you suffer for doing good, God favors you. Like, right, it says God is pleased with that type of suffering. Um, our, our human thoughts, has anybody ever, our human ways, and this is kind of the way I just think, our, our human thoughts, our human ways, at least mine, they're based on a system of what I think is fair. Can anybody relate to that today? We, we base our decisions, our thoughts, our version of justice, we base our thoughts and our decision-making based on what we believe to be right, what we believe to be fair. And I tend to fall into this category completely where, where I believe, you know, if someone does what is right, then there should be, right, rewards and blessings that should follow. And I like it even more when they follow immediately. Does anybody happen to think like that? Like when someone makes the right call, the right decision, there should be there should, there should be blessing. There should be rewards for that. I fall into this category, this trap of, of always trying to, to think this way, right? Make the right call and blessings will follow. And, and kind of, I love this idea. It's probably why I love the Old Testament and movies like Tombstone because I also kind of feel like when someone does the wrong thing, there should be immediate justice to follow, right? There should be immediate, like even sometimes some good old-fashioned butt-kicking to follow, some punishment. Does anybody else think that way or am I just sick here? Right? No, sometimes, right? Except when it applies to us, I don't want immediate punishment to apply to me, right? Except if it's myself that, that messed up. But that's our way, and what Scripture reminds us of in the book of Isaiah as well, that that's not necessarily God's way, is it? 
Because God says this in Isaiah chapter 55, verse 8. He says, you've probably heard this scripture before. My thoughts are what? My thoughts are not your thoughts. My ways are far beyond anything you can imagine. Say that, anything. My, my ways are far beyond anything you and I that we can imagine. Verse 9, for just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. This scripture is telling us, church, there is a massive difference between the way you and I think versus the way God thinks. There is a massive difference in his ways versus our ways. His ways are so much more meaningful. How would we, can anybody just shout something out? How would you describe his ways? I would say his ways are meaningful. Um, His ways are profound. His ways are deep. His ways are righteous. Yeah, his, his ways, sometimes his ways are mysterious. Sometimes his ways are surprising. Sometimes his, his ways will shock us down the road, right? My, my goodness, his ways are so much deeper than what we can think of. And here we go from age 17 to age 30. Joseph endures a life that is constantly full of mistreatment. A life that is constantly, if I had to look at it, I'd say, that is not fair. That is not fair. Like, of, of course, Joseph isn't a perfect person. He's not some perfect robot, but like, like overall, this is not fair, the treatment. I mean, think of your, your, your age 17 to 20s, right? We, we, know, we don't know his exact age in this moment, but let's just put it like this. 17 to 30, he missed some pretty good stuff. That's some prime living like that. He missed, he missed years of his back probably not hurting. Some of us could say amen, right? He missed, right? He missed the good years. Instead, he's in prison. He's in a dungeon. And, and, and man, he is starting all over again. So we find him in this context, right? We're moving to the next chapter of Genesis. We find him starting all over again. We find him starting all over again. Number one, would you write this down? Genesis, before we get to Genesis chapter 40. How do we respond to something we don't deserve? Number one, how do we respond to something we don't deserve? This is kind of where we're going to begin this message today. How do we respond when something happens to us that we don't deserve? We're going to see consistently that Joseph responded in a habitual way, and that was one thing he always seemed to do was no matter what was thrown at him, he would keep God first in his life. He would keep God first in his life. Chapter 39, if you were with us last week. How many of us were with us last week? Chapter 39. And um, I, I love it. It says over and over again, that, remember this, the Lord was what? With Joseph. Chapter 30, the Lord was with Joseph when all these things happened to him. But we also know that Joseph made a decision to be with the Lord. He made a decision to keep God first. And I think eventually, The privilege Joseph experiences in Egypt and the legacy he's going to leave, it's because he had a lifestyle of keeping God first no matter what was thrown at him. I I think that's the the reason God uses him in such strategic and and magnificent ways is because Joseph was so consistent in his his relationship with the Lord. He experiences this, as we can say it like this, he has privilege on his life after age 30 like no no one else. And I believe it's because he kept God first in his life. Are you ready to get into the word this morning? All right, Genesis chapter 
40, verse 1, we're going to begin to study this morning. Would you read along with me? Joseph's in prison, and here we go, church, sometime later. So we don't know how long this is for. He has been thrown in prison for the accusations from Potiphar's wife, and some time has passed, and Pharaoh's chief cupbearer and chief baker offended their royal master. Pharaoh became angry with these two officials, and he put them in prison where Joseph was, in the palace of the captain of the guard. Underline that, circle that, right? He's in the palace of who? The captain of the guard. Remember who the captain of the guard is. Verse 4, they remained in prison for quite some time, and the captain of the guard assigned them to Joseph, who looked out after them. These two important officials, the cupbearer and the baker, two special guests now have arrived in prison with Joseph, and, and I love, look at verse 4, keep that in mind, right? I love that it says, the captain of the guard assigned them to Joseph. This reminds me once again, no matter how much time has passed, no matter how much politics were played, it's very clear from this scripture that Potiphar knew his wife. It's very clear from scripture, the, the very fact that Joseph is alive and wasn't beaten. Potiphar knew his wife, or maybe, I, I like to think, man, maybe he discovered some things later. Maybe he discovered some information, some false accusations, because once again, Joseph finds himself in charge of the location he is placed in. Yes, he is, he is, under, he, he is property, but he, he finds himself favored so much so that he is in charge of this prison. The, the cupbearer's job, the baker's job, can we say it like this? They both involve my favorite things, food, Right? Cupbearer and the baker. I would love these guys, right? You want to be friends with them. No, I'm teasing a little bit. But both of them, we could say it a little bit, they're responsible for certain aspects of the Pharaoh's life and that culture and that, in that time, right? They, they, they're responsible for his health, his diet. The cupbearer even actually would be the most uninsurable person on the planet because the Bible tells us that he would actually taste the food and if by chance the food was poisoned before it would get to the Pharaoh, bye-bye who? Bye-bye, cupbearer. So his life insurance policy would be sky high. No, I'm, I'm teasing a little bit. A little dad joke in the house. Very high insurance premiums for the cupbearer. But if you remember, we did a series uh, years ago on Nehemiah. Remember the story of Nehemiah where, what was Nehemiah's role as well? He was the cupbearer to his king. And remember the favor that Nehemiah experiences. When he asked the king for soldiers and when he asked the kings for, for, for transportation and for documents, all the things Nehemiah did, it was because the cupbearer was often placed in a position where they were so close to the king, if they did their job well, it would be no doubt that they could become the most trusted friend of the king. Because the king would know that man would lay down his life for me every day. In many ways, the, the, the cupbearer would become the most, tran the most trusted man, man in the king's court. And so we know that about Nehemiah, and maybe this cupbearer has a little bit of that relationship with this king as well, but something has happened. As we stop in this verse, something has happened to anger the Pharaoh. We don't know what. The Bible doesn't say exactly what landed the baker and the cupbearer in prison, but it's safe to say it's probably a little bit more than the food was just cold. Something happened. This, this king is outraged with them. I like to kind of like just imagine maybe there was an attempt on the Pharaoh's life. Maybe he's trying to figure out with somebody, I mean, I don't want to read too much into it, but I am a little, like, maybe somebody was trying to assassinate the king. Or then part of me just goes, maybe the, the, the food was just, the meat was cooked too rare and he had some stomach issues. I don't know. 
right? But the Bible doesn't, it actually doesn't tell us. All we know is the Bible does say they offended their Lord. That's what it says. They offended him for some reason. And, and the, the Pharaoh says, captain of the guard, get them out of my court. Get them out of my sight. Get them out of my palace. Someone has broken the king's trust, and there's going to be a price to pay. There's going to be some consequences to follow. They go to prison. But get this. Check this out in this verse, right, church? They go to prison, and in verse 4, they are, they are placed in the very same prison where who happens to be there? This young man named Joseph. This young man names Joseph, and when we talk about scriptures that say, my ways are not your ways, and you could insert your name into that, Joey, right? My, na- my ways are not your ways, Rob, right? My ways are, are, are not your ways. You could throw your name into there. Look at this. What are the odds? They go to prison, and it happens to be the same prison where Joseph is serving time. Maybe a life sentence. It's amazing how often God will bring people into our lives who are dealing with a similar struggle. How often God will bring people into our lives that are dealing with a similar hurt. Number two, would you write this down this morning? Suffering has meaning when God gives you people to serve while suffering. Did you hear that, church? Suffering has meaning. When God gives you people to serve while suffering, Oh, man, that's a tough one, but that's a truth. I've seen it in the life of our church. God places others in our lives that are walking through what you are walking through or what you have gone through or who have experienced a a diagnosis that you experienced years, years ago in a different season of your life, and God uses you to build his kingdom through your story through where you've been. I, I, man, what a, what, a, what a truth. Suffering has meaning when God gives you people to serve while you're suffering. Number one, here's like a bonus point. Would you write this in? I don't think I have this in our notes on your phone. But write this down, would you? You know God, it's like I love about people who put God first no matter what hardship they're facing. Here's one way I think you can know God is first in your life. Are you ready for it? You wanna know if God's first in your life? When you provide blessing to others while you're still suffering. Like if, if that, like there, there you go, like if we could hand out medals for, that would be like, how do I know I'm putting God first? When you become a blessing to others, even though you are in the pit, even though you're in the dungeon, even though things aren't working out so well, you're still blessing others. Why is that a good thing? I think it's a good thing because it helps us not be selfish. It helps us not focus on ourselves. So often that's our favorite subject, right? We love to talk about ourselves. Can we get back into the word? Verse five. While they were in prison, Pharaoh's cupbearer and baker each had a dream one night, and each dream had its own meaning. When Joseph saw them the next morning, he noticed that they both looked upset. I, I love this about Joseph. Slow down and read this. Like, if I'm in prison, I don't care who looks upset. Like, he's been wrongly accused. He's, been, he's had huge accusations made towards him. And look at this young cat. He says, man, they, he noticed they both looked upset. And look at verse 7. As if Joseph doesn't have enough to worry about on his own, he asks this question. Verse 7, why do you look so worried today? He asked them. you got to love Joseph. Why, why are you guys so down? And I'm, I'd be thinking, because we're in jail. 
right? We're in prison. Who are you? Why are you guys so worried today? And yet Joseph, and the reality is Joseph's in a, I think he's in a much worse spot than they are. He's probably serving a life sentence. Chances are maybe, maybe, maybe the king did just have some stomach issues and these guys get out with a slop on the wrist, maybe, right? I mean, if we know the story, we know that's not quite how it plays out. But from Joseph's perspective, he has it much worse because there is no end to his sentence in sight because of the accusations of Potiphar's wife. And he's, he's like, fellas, why are you so upset? Why so sad? Let's look at verse 8. And they replied, both of us had dreams last night, but no one can tell us what they mean. Uh, I think it's interesting where God places them. The dreams they have on the same night, no one can tell them what they mean. Well, little do they know who they are sh sharing a dungeon with. Little do they know they have the dreamer of dreams, the ultimate dreamer in their midst. But I got to be honest, if I'm Joseph, I'm not so sure I want to jump out there and speak up. After all, remember, I mean, the last time we know Joseph began to talk about dreams with his family, no doubt, it landed him where? Right? The last time he decided to speak up about dreams, he, 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 was, he suffered for it. But maybe he figures he's already in jail. What's to lose at this point? Well, here we go. Joseph responds. And look where he gives the glory to. Look where Joseph puts the attention to. He doesn't say, man, look at me. Talk to me. I can help you out. I'm your man. No, look what he says. He says, interpreting dreams is whose business? He says, it's God's business, Joseph replied. So go ahead and tell me your dreams. So the chief cupbearer told Joseph his dream first. In my dream, he said, I saw a grapevine in front of me. The vine had three branches that began to bud and blossom. And soon it produced clusters of ripe grapes. I was holding Pharaoh's wine cup in my hand, so I, I took a cluster of grapes and squeezed the juice into the cup. Then I placed the cup in Pharaoh's hand, and you're probably like me thinking, what in the world does all this mean? This is what he tells Joseph, what on earth is, is happening here? This vine blossom, grapes plop out, there's clusters, I, I crush, they, they pour, pour them into the cup, I raise the cup, I put it in his hand. What does all this mean? Well, Joseph is spot on. He doesn't seem to hesitate. Verse 12, this is what the dream means, Joseph said. The three branches represent three days. Within three days, Pharaoh will lift you up and restore you to, his, to, restore you to your position as his chief cupbearer. Verse 14. I love this verse because it, reaffirms the reality that Joseph is human. He's a good dude, right? He makes the right decisions very often, but I love this verse because it, it's a reminder, a, li a little bit of like, he, he's like, you, you need to do me a solid here. Look what he says. He says, please remember me and do me a favor when things go well for you. Mention me to Pharaoh so that he might let me out of this place. For I was kidnapped from my homeland the land of the Hebrews, and now I'm here in prison, but I did nothing to deserve it. Here we go. Joseph says, man, in three days you will be released. You will be, be restored to your spot. But the, the, there's good news, and I love it. But man, Joseph is like, hey, can we relate to this in Vegas? I think we used to be able to relate to it much more in the 80s and 90s. But it's like, 
can you put in a good word for me? Can you let someone know? Can you put in a good word with that boss at that hotel, whatever it is? Joseph knew that nobody was closer to the Pharaoh than who? The cupbearer. Nobody was closer to the Pharaoh than the cupbearer. Maybe this guy can put in a word. I was put in here unjustly. I was sold unjustly. I should be, I should be living in the land with my, my family. The Hebrews, remember me when things go well for you. Man, I was put here. I was wrongly imprisoned. And, and you really, you can't blame Joseph for trying, can you? Can't blame him for, for trying to talk him into it. And so in this, this story, as we continue, let's look at verse 16. Because I'm just guessing, I wonder how this played out in the dungeon, in the prison. Because I'm guessing there was another man there that was just listening to the conversation. And that other man had an important role as well. He was the baker. And I think about this story, and I think he's no doubt listening in. Maybe he just got his, his head to the wall, head to the right. He's like, what are these guys talking about? He, he probably hears some, oh man, that was some pretty good news to, to the cupbearer. He's, he's good. He's going to be restored. He's going to be okay. Maybe my dream means something good will happen to me too. I should ask Joseph about this. Right? And if you know the story, maybe he should. Maybe he shouldn't have. I'm not sure. Depends how you want to go, right? But he asked Joseph about his dream. Verse 16, when the chief baker saw that Joseph had given the first dream such a positive interpretation, he said to Joseph, I had a dream too. In my dream, there were three baskets of white pastries stacked on my head. The top basket contained all kinds of pastries for Pharaoh, but the birds came and ate them from the basket on my head. And we have to just, I just, we have to respect Joseph. At this time, I'm guessing he's working his way up towards his late mid-20s, late 20s, probably. And I love Joseph because I believe right away he knew this dream meant bad news right away I bet you he went oh oh pal probably just patted him on the back Baker it's gonna be this is a bad day for you but he didn't make up some happy story did he I think it's interesting Joseph didn't he I mean if if you knew if you had a hundred if you knew that someone had something really bad that was gonna happen to them in a couple days I'm not sure I would want to give them that news but not Joseph, he's a man that tells the truth. He's a man that, he doesn't seem so much about pleasing people as he seems very concerned often with pleasing God and just telling the truth. He didn't make up a happy story, but he was straight with the baker. Verse 18, would you read it with me? This is what the dream means, Joseph told him. The three baskets also represent three days. Three days from now, the Pharaoh will lift you up and impale your body on a pole. Ho! Ho! And it gets better, sir. Then after that, the birds will come and peck away at your flesh. I love that Joseph even included that, right? It's been like, you know, interesting. But Joseph delivered some grim news. But I love that Joseph was straight up with him. I love that he told the truth. And let me explain. Uh, Joseph didn't seem to ever shy away from truth, did he? It didn't mean that, like being a Christian, following the Lord, doesn't mean we need to say nice, upbeat things all the time if they're not true things. Did you catch that? Like following the Lord, being a Christian, it doesn't mean we need to fake it and be nice and upbeat all the time if what we're talking about isn't true. Number three, would you write this down? Having a positive attitude towards the Lord, it, it doesn't mean 
It doesn't mean living unrealistically, right? Having a positive attitude doesn't mean living unrealistically, right? And even today, there's, there's a social pressure. There's an online pressure, whatever it is, we, to, to live in this dream world where Christians are just to, supposed to be okay with something just because the world says something is okay, right? There's this, this attitude, this pressure that like, if, if something is sinful, we're just supposed to root for it and be okay with it just because the world says that particular sin, take your choice, is okay, even though it goes against God's word, right? I think it doesn't mean making stuff up or, or, or speaking things that aren't true just to make someone feel good. Joseph didn't seem to do that. Verse 20, you ready for this? Pharaoh's birthday came, he had a party. Three days later, he prepared a banquet for all his officials and staff. He summoned the chief cupbearer and the chief baker to join the other officials. I don't know what happened. Maybe they got to the root of the scandal. Maybe he just recovered and he was healthy. We don't know, but look what happens. Joseph was spot on in his, in his, in his advice, in his, his dream interpretation. He then restored the chief cupbearer to his former position so he could again hand Pharaoh his cup. Wow. But verse 22, Pharaoh impaled the chief baker. Just as Joseph, just as Joseph had predicted when he interpreted his dream. Everything happened as Joseph had predicted. With, and remember, with God's help. I, I think it's interesting. Joseph must have known he was correct in the interpretation of these dreams. I'm sure he was just, you wonder if he heard the story three days later. You wonder if the news reached him in prison. But I think there's got to be a little bit of hope in Joseph knowing that he sent the cup, baker out, the, cup, the cup bearer out and he said, hey, remember me. Put in a good word for me. It's going to go well for you. Knowing that he interpreted these dreams correctly, I bet you there is some bit of daylight in his thinking. Right, The cupbearer is going to go free, and when he does, maybe that cupbearer will put in a good word for me. After all, I'd like to see my 30s and my 40s, right? I'd like to have a family one day. Surely he was anticipating, there had to be something in Joseph where he was anticipating a good report. Maybe a thank you from the cupbearer. I think as we get ready to close this morning, you know, Joseph delivers these these two dreams. He, he interprets these two dreams. Favorable news for the cupbearer, not the greatest news for the baker. Although I will say this, if you had three days to prepare to meet your maker, what would you do? I mean, in some ways, I think Joseph delivered bad news, but in other ways, part of me goes, that baker may have had three days to get right with God. Right? Think about it. He had three days to figure things out. Joseph interpreted these two dreams, and he's a man who can relate to being treated unfairly, and he's got to be hopeful. Man, the cupbearer put in a good word. But I think as we get ready to close today, I think sometimes we, we, we live in that mindset that I spoke about in the very beginning where it's like, God, if we choose the right thing, there should be blessing. If we do the right thing, if we say the right thing, there should be blessing, right? And Joseph is a young man who's been wronged. And many of us can relate. I, I kind of wanted to close with this idea. Maybe there's some of us here today 
that you didn't even realize it coming to church today, but you can relate to Joseph more than you realized. Because mistreatment doesn't just come in the form of being wrongly accused and sent to prison. Mistreatment can come in, in many different forms. Loss can come in many different forms. Suffering can come in many different forms. There might be some of us here where you've endured just someone saying something, false allegations about you. That was Joseph. False allegations landed him in prison. That's why his story is so relatable today and forever because he's a person who's been mistreated. He's a, a young man who's been abandoned. He's a, a young man who's been disappointed with his family. He's a young man who's betrayed by his family. I think we can relate to this, right? When things aren't fair. Maybe some of you are here, and, and I think of this with little ones that I see in our school and we do life with. There, there's all the time children grow up without a father. Not by any choice of that child's, right? Not, not by their, their choosing, all the time, children grow up, it's, it's unfair, they grow up without a mother. Kids grow up without a father, a mother, right? A husband, you, you may have been working, you can look back on a season of your life, maybe you're a husband and man, all you were doing was working, working your best for the family and your wife just decided to call it quits, right? This, this goes both ways, maybe you're a mom, maybe you're a wife and you, you sacrificed everything. You think about mistreatment, how this works, abandonment, how this works, Disappointment. People will disappoint. Maybe you're, you're a wife, and, and my, my goodness, you sacrificed your education, you sacrificed your career, you sacrificed your body to have his kids, right? He got the degree, he got the career, he got the name, and he took the money and he ran and left you with the kids, right? These are real stories. These are real things that happen to us. We can relate to Joseph because mistreatment comes in many different shapes and many different forms. You might be here and you could be in your 40s or 50s and you can think of how your parents mistreated you growing up. Your parents didn't do it all correctly, right? You, you could be here and, and my goodness, you're at an age or even young or old where like physically things just aren't working the way they should be. I've noticed that lately, like I've been walking through some like weird knee, different knee struggles and knee pains, and man, I, I can't imagine to constantly be dealing with it on a, on, on a forever basis, but there's some of us here where, man, there's real things, there's injuries, there's you're, you're permanently disabled, there's, there's cancer, there's something that has happened that has sidelined you, and you may not physically be in a dungeon, but it, it can feel that way. You can feel like, man, there is no hope for this situation. There is no future. There is no getting away from it, right? Mistreatment looks like many different things. It can look like abandonment. It can look like someone taking advantage of your, of your finances, someone taking advantage of your generosity. There's many, right? Maybe you loaned someone money. Maybe someone took something you gave them. You thought you trusted them, and they just took it, and they ran maybe a business partner, you helped build up the business, you helped do your part, and they just took off. I've seen it in our church, I've seen it in our family, I've seen false statements made about people that I love. And you think, honestly, you would think when people have questions, they would, they would actually like ask you about, right? How many of us have ever been mistreated or someone said something about you? You ever notice, wouldn't you think people honestly like, if something so outlandish, some accusation is made about you or your family or your parents, you would think people would ask you a question, wouldn't you? 
But so often that's not actually the case. Very often false statements, like Joseph, Potiphar's wife made some very serious false statements and they were just believed, it seems. Well, as we close this morning, I don't know if Tanner is here, if he could come up on the keys, or John, you want to come play some, some guitar? That'd be fantastic. But like Joseph, as we close, I want to tell you this. If you fall into this category, if you've been mistreated, I love that we can look at Joseph's example because Joseph stood his ground. Look at this. Joseph stood with his God. Look at this. Joseph remained faithful to his God. He did all these things. And you want to know what happens next? Because I, like, my ways are my ways. God's ways are his ways. But I think, man, Joseph did it all right. He kept serving. He kept serving. He kept being faithful to the Lord. And look what happens in verse 23. Let's read it together. Pharaoh's chief cupbearer, however, forgot about Joseph. Wait a minute. Did we read that right, church? Did we read it right? Because this is how it feels when you're mistreated, right? This is, this, is, this is tough stuff. All this, and look what happens. Pharaoh's chief cupbearer forgot all about Joseph. And then it says this, never giving him a second thought. You read it right. The cupbearer was restored. He got the good life back, restored to his position, and he forgot about Joseph. He just returned to the king service. And, and man, have you ever been like this when you're walking through life thinking, God, I thought, I thought now was the time to turn right, and, and you put me on another left-hand turn. God, I thought we had arrived, and it's another setback. God, I thought there was healing, and now there's not. And oh my goodness, and, and, and you just think like, God, I thought there was freedom coming. God, I thought there was healing coming. God, I thought this was, I thought I was gonna walk in my calling, and it's all postponed again. It's all on pause again. It's all delayed. God, how much more stinking shaping do you need to do? Joseph, this young man, how much more do I need to be shaped, God? Because Joseph is doing what he's supposed to do, and it seems to me God postpones it all. Verse 23, the chief cupbearer forgot. Would you read that verse? The chief cupbearer forgot. He forgot all about Joseph, never giving him a second thought. It's like victory was right there. Victory was right there. And life is just snatched away from Joseph again. And he's probably thinking, I am going to be here in my 40s, in my 50s. I am going to die in this prison. And that's scripture. My ways are not your ways. My thoughts are not your thoughts. My ways are higher than what you can ever imagine. It doesn't keep us from asking that question, God, why are you delaying? God, why are you delaying? And guess what? This delay is not a two-month hiatus or a two-week or two-hour delay. Joseph's delay is another two years we're going to find out. We're going to find out this is another two-year wait for something else to happen. You want to know what else happens? You want to know what else happens? Church? You got to be in church next Sunday. I'm teasing. That's it. October 9th, actually. We'll pick it up October 9th. But listen to this, right? Yeah, October 9th, we're going to pick it up, October 9th. We have a guest speaker next week, and so uh, Pastor Tim Russell will be sharing the word. But listen to this, and the, there's a book C.S. Lewis wrote, it's called The Problem with Pain, it says, listen to this, God whispers 
in our pleasures. C.S. Lewis says he speaks in our conscience, but he shouts in our pains. Oh, man. How many of you today have walked through something like C.S. Lewis describes? You've walked through cancer. You've walked through divorce. You've walked through a spouse. You've walked through the loss of a child. You've walked through some serious pain. you've, You've walked through it. And how many of you would agree that that God shouts in our pain? And I want to encourage you to be an encourager to someone else because you know when you walked through that trial, you know when you walked through that abandonment that you had a choice. You could get bitter with God. You could get disillusioned when God lets you down. You could be upset when God delays something. But look at Joseph, not Joseph. And I think here's the reason. It seems to me, even though Joseph asked for a solid from the cupbearer, Joseph never put his trust and his faith and his hope in people. Right? If it come through, cool. But it seems to me that Joseph always put his trust in God. And when we talk about suffering, when we talk about mistreatment, we know it can look like many different things today. And I'm not sure which category maybe God might be with you in right now. I'm not sure which season of life, which, which hurt you were dealing with today, but here's what I do know is suffering and mistreatment, would you agree with this? It always hurts. Lies always hurt. Sickness always hurts. Abandonment always hurts. Gossip always hurts. Betrayal always hurts. Rejection feels terrible. You've done something right, you've done marriage right, and you've been treated wrong. And here's what I want to close with, just this word, God has not abandoned you. Like Joseph, that, that's it. Like that's the certain, God has not left you. God has not abandoned you. God has not forgotten you. Let's bow our heads, let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for this time in your house today. God, we pray for strength like Joseph. God, when it comes to mistreatment in any shape or form, suffering in any shape or form, God, may you give us the grace to endure and to endure when we are disappointed, to endure when we thought a door was opening but it slammed shut to endure when we are skipped over, to endure when we are passed over, to endure when we are wrongly accused, to endure when we face a physical ailment that we didn't ask for, but now we have to fight. God, I pray for a special, for comfort from your Holy Spirit today for those who might be suffering. Suffering with a physical ailment, suffering in a relationship, God, I pray for those that might be suffering today because of a righteous decision. The Bible says in Genesis Genesis chapter 39, the Lord was with Joseph. The Lord was with Joseph. The Lord was with Joseph. And I want to tell you today, the Lord is with you. The Lord 
is with you. Maybe you're here today and you just needed to know that. Maybe you're watching online today and you just needed to hear that. He wants you to know he's with you. He wants you to know he sent his son for you. He wants you to know he sent Jesus for you. He wants you to know he's waiting on you. He's ready and he's waiting for you. Maybe you're here today and you, 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 haven't just, you just haven't even been walking with the Lord. Maybe you're here today and you haven't been walking with Jesus. I want to ask you today. The Bible says that he's ready and he's willing and he's waiting for you to say yes. Yes to his, his mercy and his grace. Yes to his forgiveness. Maybe you are a whosoever. The Bible says whosoever. Whosoever you can come. You can come through the Son to the Father. Jesus went to the cross so that anyone that would call on his name, you would be saved. You'd be forgiven. You'd be transformed. I just want to ask you today, if there's anybody here that you just say, you know what? I've been very far away from God. I've been very far away from his Son. I want to acknowledge him in this house. If that's you today, I just would like you to lift your hand. I'd like you to lift your eyes. The action doesn't make it so. The Bible says if we acknowledge him before man, that God will acknowledge us. So if you want to acknowledge him today, I just want to invite you. Maybe at home, lift your hand, say this prayer. If you're here in the house, would you lift your hand? One, two, and three. Is anybody here? You just want to say yes to Jesus this morning. Anybody at all? Can we pray today, church? God, we thank you for this time. Would you repeat after me, Heavenly Father, forgive me of my sin. Would you change me? Would you make me new? Jesus, be my Savior. And Jesus, be my Lord. God, we love you. We worship you. In Jesus' name we pray. Can we all say amen? Amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us today, and a special thanks to those who give to Cornerstone. You know, it's because of you, our ministry, it's possible. Uh, You can click the link in the description to give now or visit us at cornerstonelv.com. And if you enjoyed the podcast, you can subscribe, you can share it with friends, share it with family, help us spread God's word. You can also join us live every Sunday. We invite you, 9 a.m. or 11 a.m. We stream service live. Thank you again for listening.